Hello and welcome to The Check-In, our live noontime forum for community connections and conversation over the airwaves. Thank you for checking in today. Obviously, the coronavirus crisis is impacting the way we live our daily lives. It might be also shifting the way we see our society and the world, but will it change the way we vote? this year with elections on the horizon June 2nd here in mid-Missouri and with all that's going on in the world. This is a great time to observe how crises can reshape political systems and the way we think about politics. And as matters of public health, financial security, civic duty, and personal freedom are all being debated, partisan arguments can become heated and even violent. So what can we expect this election season? Today, we have two guests to help us unpack these questions about public engagement and political rhetoric. First, we have Professor Andrea Benjamin. Professor Benjamin is an associate professor of African-American studies at the University of Oklahoma. She's also spent time here at MU. Andrea, thanks so much. Welcome to the check-in. Thank you for having me. Also joining us today is Professor Jay Sexton. Jay is an MU history professor and Kinder Institute Endowed Chair in Constitutional Constitutional Democracy. Welcome, Jay Sexton. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you for checking in. And let me just remind our listeners, you can join us. Has this crisis got you thinking about our society and how we pay for it, how we finance health care, small businesses, a safety net, our international role in the world? These are all big features of this crisis. Has it only confirmed your beliefs about the role of government in our health, wealth and economy? Let us know your thoughts in this election year. Are your views being tested or confirmed right now in this crisis? For most people, we have confirmation bias. If that's the case, just let us know if it's uh, just making you more confident in your viewpoint. Or is it changing your viewpoint? Or are you hoping that it'll change others' (laughs) viewpoints? So Jay Sexton and Andrea Benjamin, it's such a pleasure to have you on today. You're, um, Jay, an expert on international relations. And Andrea, you're an expert on local coalitions and how both of these impact voting. Uh, What do you see as possible shifts in voting or political dialogue that might be brought on by this crisis? Andrea, why don't we start with you first? Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of things to consider. For me personally, just given my research, I have some real concerns about um, some of the lower ballot races that that are supposed to be coming up, right? So you all have a primary um, in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's maybe a school board election, right? So these Mm -hmm. elections that are off cycle, they're not in the presidential election, um, right? We wanna make sure that we still have good engagement, good turnout for those things. Um, and I think I read correctly that, that you all were gonna be able to do that via mail, via the postal service. Um, but as we think about November moving forward, right? If people are too scared to vote or we're not able to engage um, at the level that we might, it's not just that you know the presidential election has low voter turnout. That means we're not picking our sheriffs, we're not picking our state legislators, right? And so I think that we need to think long-term about what's a viable solution that allows us to still engage mm-hmm. in the political process, even as we also don't want to die trying to vote. 
All right. And Andrea, you just mentioned, yes, the Missouri State Legislature has passed legislation uh, just just now, really, that uh, expands awesome. voter absentee ballots, um, not as much as some would think and more than others would think. So that's for another question for you both, because these things seem to go on partisan uh, lines. Uh, Jay, what do you think? What are you expecting or maybe seeing as possible shifts in political dialogue brought by this crisis? Well, um, I wouldn't say that the uh, pandemic is changing um, the nature of our our politics and the Mm -hmm. challenges we're facing so Mm -hmm. much as it's raising the stakes Mm -hmm. and perhaps accelerating um, processes to a a conclusion. I mean, if if you step back before the pandemic and you think, what are the the big kind of macro trends in American political life? uh, two, Two things would jump out at me. Uh, first is that um, our era, the, the last couple of decades, has been a, an era of pendulum swings at the national level, you know, mm-hmm. um, shifting coalitions, shifting um, midterm elections and, and presidential um, candidates. Um, so it's not a story of continuity. It's a story of change. And then the, the other point I would say is that the, the big trend in American political life has been the decline of the United States um, as a world power on the international stage. And I think that that is also going to be continued, um, unfortunately, and indeed accelerated. And that's one of the most important things um, on my agenda as a voter um, in 2020 is to, th- to think about which candidates and which political parties have a coherent and persuasive vision of how the United States can constructively engage with the international community. For this pandemic, by definition, um, is an international phenomenon, and any solution that is going to have any lasting significance must have an international component. All right. Already much there for me to follow up on with you. Um, Jay Sexton, you just rewrote my intro. It (laughs) perhaps should be asking the question, not how are we changing, but how is this accelerating and uh, just kind of illuminating the divisions and the the features of our politics that are already there. Uh, Let me just remind our listeners, we are on the check-in. We're checking in right now on KBIA, and we're talking with Professor Andrea Benjamin and Professor Jay Sexton about politics and crisis. We'd love to hear from you. Is this crisis changing or confirming the way you vote? As we're talking about, do you think that uh, things are likely to change your opinions, or are we just reconfirming the divisions that we already have in our society right now that are just being illuminated by this crisis? In this election year, let us know what are your hopes for how we emerge from this crisis in terms of our political debate and discourse and perhaps our place in the world. Um, So we went into this crisis sort of a divided nation. It's much discussed, our partisan divides and the strong partisanship that dominates our political conversations. Uh, Let me unpack this just a little bit more with you. Do you think this pandemic is likely to impact this? Um, any chance at all that this would bring us together, Jay Sexton? Um, has this happened historically, and how does that compare to now? Well, you know, there there is grounds for hope. I mean, one can one can certainly hope that a um, a, a shared calamity requires you know shared sacrifices. It requires coming together. Um, one can think of past crises, um, how 
this sort of context has generated uh, new lasting political coalitions. I mean, think about the, the New Deal, the Great Depression. It, it creates mm -hmm. a, a, a new way of thinking about politics, but even more so a, a new set of political coalitions that will survive the immediate crisis and, and transform the way that the United States in that instance organized its political economy. So, so there is grounds for, for hope. Um, one hasn't seen that um, so much yet. I mean, perhaps maybe at the very beginning of the of the crisis, there was some evidence for it. But it seems like we've reverted back to to politics as usual. Um, I think a big test will be um, in this election campaign itself, um, w which candidates are using this opportunity to find constructive ways of of healing old wounds and 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 bringing different uh, voters together on behalf of a shared mission. And as voters, as citizens, we all have a say in this. We can reward that sort of behavior. If you're not happy with political discourse, if you're not happy with the, with the options um, on, on, on your ballot, then, then, then you can vote for those who you are happy with or you can write somebody in. Um, so I, I think the civic engagement is going to be really, really important um, in the coming months. All right. And Andrea, you are an expert in a way on civic engagement. What... Uh, motivates coalitions on the ground. What do you see happening in communities? Well, I think, you know, at the, I mean, even as I was listening to, to Jay talk, right, you sort of can think about the role that elites might play for us right now, particularly party elites, um, and sort of their messaging really to the extent that we're tuned into that. We sort of follow those trends. Um, but I also wonder if at the local level, maybe at the state level, Right. I mean, we, you know, the one thing that we know is that people are having a hard time. Right. And so to Jay's point, thinking, you know, we do have the power to sort of keep those in office that we think have done a good job, that have handled this crisis well. But we also have an opportunity if we don't think that things have been done to our liking, then, as Jay said, we have the opportunity to select other people. Um, and again, going back to my earlier point, that's why I just think we need to do whatever we can to make sure that engagement remains at a stable, um, at a minimum, a stable level. Um, you know, I think a lot of my colleagues, Jay, maybe you feel the same way, are sort of engaged in like really sort of quick research projects right now doing polling and trying to figure out, well, where do people stand on this, right? And um, just looking at a monkey cage, I'll shout out the grad students on this. Um, Leah and Emily um, at UNC uh, did a, a quick survey in April, and most people say that they support, right, upwards to 75%, even of Republicans and Democrats, maybe a little bit higher in Democrats, that they support orders to wear masks, orders to stay at home, orders to close businesses, and police monitoring for public spaces, right? So there we might see that, again, this is a national survey, right? We, we might not see that in every state. We might not see that in the state I live in currently, right? But that people sort of support these things. But at the same time, right, when we break it down, we know that, that Black people Latinx communities, uh, people who live in urban areas, right, they're suffering with this virus at an extremely high rate, um, right? And so they might be more supportive of these restrictions, right? And so maybe at the local level, the next mayoral election, COVID might be a, a, something that, that mayors talk about, that candidates talk about when running, right? So I think, um, you know, it's, it's great to think about the country as a whole, um, but when we start breaking it down into local places, and, you know, I know I'm on the radio in Columbia, but, you know, Oklahoma, we've been in the news too many times in the last couple of weeks about sort of these these negative uh, altercations around what the government has the right to do or what businesses have the right to do in their establishment. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure here that, that everyone is so supportive of, of wearing masks or, you know, closing businesses. All right. Jay, anything to add to that? Well, I, I, I'd say one of the interesting things about um, the pandemic is how it might scramble the way in which we're so accustomed to having a set piece uh, entrenched uh, partisan mm-hmm. battles. So mm-hmm. you're either for something or you're against it. And there's a, a sophisticated process of political sorting that actually is accelerating that. And we're seeing that with the pandemic. Um, so you're either for um, opening a state or for remaining closed. You're either for masks or against them. The, the challenge is that the, the pandemic is going to require some real nimbleness. Uh, we're gonna have to embrace certain measures at one point or in one place. Um, and then turn on a dime as the as the course of the pandemic shifts. Um, um, that's going to be a real challenge, I think, for our, our political culture and institutions and, and for us as individuals uh, when we're so accustomed to thinking um, in terms of kind of partisan trench warfare. So it will be interesting to see if people can um, a- adjust to this new reality. Yes. And Jay, you just mentioned that it requires some nimbleness. And, you know, you see some nimbleness in expected ways, I suppose, the federal stimulus fund. So if you think about so much of our political framing that you're talking about and debating is about uh, that government strong safety net versus no government argument. So government versus no government to oversimplify it. But in a crisis, it doesn't seem like very many people are arguing about the fact that we are going to rely on the government to track and fight the outbreak, to distribute a vaccine eventually. Um, No one seems to be arguing about stimulus checks to businesses or even to our personal bank accounts. These are things that we are taking, although you do see in the Missouri legislature perhaps some uh, reluctance to give those stimulus funds to counties. So maybe there's still a little bit of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But is this crisis going to change this framing of no government versus a safety net, uh, Jay? Um, one one would um, one would think if anything could change <laughs> could change that dynamic that this would be it. It, it is going to require um, massive massive uh, p- public intervention and public support, and it's going to have to be sustained over a long period of time. Not least because it's going to have to be paid for. Um, so uh, the, the the debt, which has been a a kind of wild card issue in recent American politics, if one thinks going back to Ross Perot forward, that the debt will reemerge um, as a big issue uh, because of this, um, as will uh, generational cleavages. Um, one thing I've been surprised by in the United States is that there hasn't been as clear of a generational division. Um, one sees it a little bit in the voting behavior, but there isn't a sort of rhetoric of the young versus the old. Uh, this pandemic might place um, acute strains, or it, it's going to place acute strains on on the young, on the youth, um, strains that will be with them for a long time. So we might see a new cleavage in that sense. Uh, but to answer your question, a- a- absolutely, the the old the old uh, era of of tax cuts solving all problems and and starving government, um, I would I would guess that those days are are coming to an end. All right. This is the check-in on KBIA. It's an election year. We've had elections coming up June 2nd here in mid-Missouri and another little presidential election going on in November. So is this crisis changing 
or accelerating how you think about voting and how you think about politics. Who gets what, when, and why in our society? Has this crisis changed or confirmed the way you think about all of these things? Do you have concerns about voting? Let us know what's on your mind as we're in this election year. What are you observing about the politicization of some of these issues? Jay and Andrea, you're mentioning the politicization of issues, so many issues in our culture that seem like they don't have to be politicized, but they are. And I'm just going to say um, abortion, climate change, health care, just to name a few. And now this crisis took a few weeks, um, but it didn't take long for this to become political and partisan in some way. Um, So I almost am reluctant to even go here because it's just such an exhausting topic. But really quickly, let me just ask each of you if you have general thoughts on this and and specifically what would it take to transcend politics as usual? Um, Andrea, what do you think? Um, You know, I think, yeah, gosh, it's such a big question, but I just wonder if sort of as we write, so it is true that there has been a partisan response to the coronavirus. The coronavirus does not care your partisan affiliation, yes. right? It does not care yes. about that, right? And so I don't want to say that, you know, with time and suffering, maybe that can help us. But going back to something that Jay said, I mean, we already know with younger voters, they aren't even as partisan as people my age and older, mm-hmm. right? And so to the extent that maybe this is an opportunity for even those of us who've said, oh, I always follow this party. I'm, I'm a mem- I identify with this party. But again, maybe this is an opportunity for even us to step back and say, which elected official is doing the things that I think are going to benefit my community? And I'll just give an example here, which is, um, as you may know, we are one of uh, five states where our local government acted uh, much more swiftly and much more strictly than our state level government. Our, our governor never issued a, a full stay at home order. I think we just had our mayor say safer at home. But the mayors in our in our state, even though for most places, mayors are, are Democrats and they're much more liberal. Um, Oklahoma City and Tulsa have Republican mayors who still issue safer at home orders. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes. Although Norman issued their order first. Right. So I think that this is again, this is just sort of an opportunity that, again, to the extent that you agree, hey, we will be safer at home. Even if you're a Democrat, you might be looking at the mayor of Oklahoma City and feel thankful that he mm-hmm. did that. Right. And so you might not be thinking about it so partisan or if you're Mm. a Republican, you might be mad at your own party member. Right. That here's a Republican mayor who said we're going to stay at home and maybe you didn't want to do that. Right. So I think this might be an opportunity where, again, it's not everything is falling along party lines. um, But again, maybe just an opportunity for us to think about it's not about the party. It's about who in this moment acted in a way that I thought was going to protect me or benefit me or had my best interest at heart. Well, that's so true, Andrea. And I I think that. This is why one might dare to hope that, you know, it gets very real with a crisis and with a global pandemic. So much of the politicization of these issues on both sides is posturing, is theatrics, and a crisis gets very real and brings it home. So that's why I'm sort of asking these questions, and it's interesting to contemplate. What are your thoughts on that, Jay? Oh, I, I mean, I think that the 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 local um, view on this is is absolutely where one would find um, cause for hope. Um, and, and not only do you see it at the local level with mayors um, being constructive problem solvers and, and not ideologues that are that are posturing, 
but you also see the prospect that um, those sorts of um, innovations uh, at the grassroots can lead to to bigger changes at the national level. And indeed, that would be how I would interpret some of the moments of political transformation in America's past. I mean, when to go back to the New Deal, you know, there was nothing new in the New Deal. Many of those programs and ideas had been piloted at at the state level, or, or indeed at the level of municipalities. So I, th I think that that's that's one point to make. The, the other point I would make is um, another kind of long-running trend in in recent American political history is the the growth of the executive, the the growth of the presidency, the, the imperial presidency. Um, and this is something that's transcended um, the, the party in power. One can see both Republicans and Democrats in this light. And to, to pair that with the very good point about the importance of local matters, um, I'd be all for hoping that maybe a, a coalition, a cross-party coalition of informed, evidence-based uh, voters would, would be in favor of reining in the power of the presidency, restoring the, the legislature, the Congress, um, as it was intended to be to, to be done. I mean, that's how the founders set up the, the United States, and that's served the country well. And, and I think that that could be something that you could see a, a new kind of cross-party coalition in favor of. All right. Uh, let's let's start that. <laughs> okay, let me just remind everyone, uh, this is the check-in on KBIA. We've got just a few more minutes, but we're in an election year. We have elections coming up. Um, we're talking about public engagement and political rhetoric this election season with Jay Sexton and Andrea Benjamin, and you can join us. We do actually have quite a few calls coming in, so we're going to try to get to these calls now. Um, let's take a call from Mike in Columbia. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, Did you have a question or comment? Go ahead. Well, I do have a comment. I hope people do vote, and I hope they look at the man in in the White House right now. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you what one friend uh, or some a customer said to me. She said, if your man is a lying and moral con man that says a lot about you and none of it's good, this that's how I feel about Donald Trump. He's not, he, he went bankrupt six different times, and this country may go bankrupt too. So let's vote our conscience and uh, maybe try something new. All right. Thank you so much for that call, Mike. We appreciate the, the opinion there that uh, Donald Trump is, our president is not looking any better <laughs> to Mike uh, because of this crisis. Um, anything to add to that, Jay or Andrea? I mean, we could talk a little bit about, you know, there is the presidential election and how the uh, federal government has handled the crisis. Um, anything to add? Okay. <laughs> that's that's Mike's opinion. Thanks for giving us your opinion, Mike. Let's take another call. We've got Stephen uh, in Columbia. Stephen, did you have a question or a comment about us? I have a comment. Yeah, go ahead. Well, first of all, I believe that all the talk about politics is basically doesn't do any good at all. I think that the city of Columbia and Boone County have done an excellent job, and the people that are there we do not have massive COVID-19 epidemic around, et cetera. You know, it comes down to the people at home, the people, it, everybody doing their part. And if they do, then we're going to progress. I'm a scientist by education. I'm 72 years old. I believe in science. 
But mostly, I believe in individuals taking on the responsibility, listening to both sides if they need to be, and coming up with the solution by themselves. And if we all get together that way, we're going to make progress. All right. Stephen, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it, and take care. Okay. Bye. So uh, that's Stephen calling for science and data and responsibility as we make these decisions. Um, I, you two were mentioning before we went into the calls of the the importance of the local coalitions, and we're seeing mutual aid groups arising locally um, from this crisis. Citizens helping each other in New York City; these are are huge and are creating block by block networks. Are these likely? Do you think to have an impact on the elections, uh, Andrea? Yeah, I mean, I think that this is sort of, I was reading something this morning, just thinking about uh, the 2008 presidential campaign when Obama sort of emerged of doing this sort of grassroots campaigning, um, and sort of one by one, people are like, yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that small thing. And I think that this is just another example, right? So I don't need to come up with everything by myself. But if we get together, we can, you know, sort of form these mutual aid groups and sort of address local issues. But I think the other piece is that once you kind of get involved and see how even just your small action can really make a difference, I do think that that encourages you to, to remain active, right? And so if we're thinking long term about what this might do for civic engagement, I think it has the potential to really make a difference to increase that engagement and also to realize that even as we're talking about the election coming up, there are so many ways that we can get involved um, and voting is only one of them. And so I think that these sort of community-led initiatives and, and sort of coalitions are just another way for people to, to learn how to engage uh, more effectively with their local government. And I would agree with Stephen's comment. Like I have been monitoring both, you know, cases where in all the places I've lived. Um, and I would say that there are definitely days here where I've been like, if I lived in Columbia, I would be near less cases. So that's an example where the local community has done a really good job. And so again, as we were talking about earlier, as Jay mentioned, like, let this be an opportunity that when it comes to reelecting those local official officials to say, hey, they did a good job. We didn't have an outlandish number of cases, right? We, we, we were able to contain this, and maybe it is due to local leadership, but also to Stephen's point that individuals felt um, sure that, uh, hey, I can help out by just staying at home. I can take my individual responsibility as well. All right. Let's take another call. We have Brian joining us. Uh, Brian, thanks for calling. Did you have a question or a comment? Yeah, I had a comment in that I wanted to express a frustration that I have that is related to what you're talking about, and that is that I've sort of been a moderate for a long period of time, kind of proud of that. I kind of considered it to be a thinking person's position. Certain politicians that were um, Republicans, but I thought were carrying good elements for uh, the economy or were helping protect Missouri as a state, um, I would I would support them, and then and certainly would support um, other issues that ended up on the other end of the aisle and Democratic. There's no room for that now. In fact, I don't even know how you exist as a moderate because you're forced to choose sides. And the reason I bring that up is because I honestly think that you could take that all the way to the COVID response and how dysfunctional it's been is a direct result of this one way or the other. All right. Brian, thank you so much for your call for moderation and for joining us on the check-in. We appreciate it. Take care. 
All right. Uh, Jay Sexton and Andrea Benjamin, We this has flown by. You just need to come back and join us again. <laughs> um, we've got about 10 seconds from each of you. I would just love to get um, a, a final thought from you on what you think you we should all keep in mind as we vote this year. Jay? Uh, in 10 seconds, uh, <laughs> you, you vote for... Um, and not just what, what's been good uh, in terms of the pandemic, but what you think long-term is in the, in the interest of the United States as it fits into a very volatile and dangerous world system. That's going to be really important moving forward. All right. Thanks, Jane. We'd like to have you back to talk about that international aspect. Um, that would be great. Andrea? Um, I'm just going to stay on method, which is figure out who's running locally for your local elections, county commission, school board, state legislature, and if you can, volunteer for them. You know, we can't do door knocking at this time, so maybe do phone banking, texting, reach out to your network to make sure that no matter what happens, we're knowledgeable and engaged as we make these um, local choices in the coming uh, year. All right. Thanks, Andrea, so much for being on the check-in, and thank you, Jay Sexton, for being on the check-in. We so appreciate your time today. Thank you, and stay safe. Thank you. Take care and stay safe. So that's it for today's check-in. I want to say another thanks to Professors Andrea Benjamin and Jay Sexton for joining us today. Thank you also for checking in. Our producer, Christopher Husted, wants to remind you the last day to request an absentee ballot by mail for Boone County is tomorrow, May 20th, by 5 p.m. So you can do that online. If you're listening and needing help, you can call 211. You can also go to comohelps.org to get or give help. Uh, We'll be back here tomorrow to check in. We're going to be talking about rural communities and the crisis. Same time, same place. Until then, I'm Janet Saidi. Stay well and stay in touch.